in Joshua chapter 14, uh, believers who act courageously on the promises of God. And so one of the things we really want us to look at today is um, what has God promised us? Because there is a debate among Christians um, as to what exactly are these promises because we need to be praying the promises of God back to him because um, we know he'll answer yes to those things. So um, just walking around the grocery store, walking around, you know, it's like there's, there's lots of people we think about um, that, that need prayer during this time. And Thomas came in and said, you know, don't forget the people who have to work at Walmart without protective equipment. <laughs> it's like, amen and amen. You know, they're there. And um, so, you know, a lot of people um, apparently crowd into Walmart as well. So be careful. Be aware of people that you're, you know, in your cloud of witnesses um, as you're in these areas too. And pray for those people. I had to go to the dentist and... Um, and that's one of those things that sometimes you kind of have to do. And uh, it was right before, right, the beginning of these things. And uh, just said, you know, and they're right in people's, you know, in the mouths and things. And um, it's like, and I just said, I said, yeah, can I pray for you guys? And then my dentist was like, he says, oh, yeah. He says, I'm a Christian. And he says, I believe my faith is going to, you know, I'm do what I'm called to do. I do what I'm supposed to do. And, and I think God will, you know, one way or the other, he's going to watch over us in this. And so I was like awesome and then the the assistant in there didn't say anything she may have been a believer she may not have but we prayed and he was very thankful for that and uh, immediately started shaking my hand and i said what are you doing man and uh <laughs> so anyway it's good to know that your dentist is a believer and um that's important too and and and, and even and i'm not tooting my own horn but toot, toot, this is what you need to do um it's just doing it i was amazed because i don't go around everywhere I go and asking people if I can pray out loud for them. And uh, it was in the pharmacy. There's nobody else in there. And I, you know, I talk when I go in there. So I know these people. And um, I said, can I pray for you guys? And the pharmacist in the back said, and she's busily working and everything. And, and I know she rolls her eyes when she sees me coming in because I'm going to try to talk to her about something. And, and she's, she's trying to do her work. And I said, can I pray? For, I don't do this all the time, but can I pray for you? And she said, please. And just bow her head and I was like so I prayed and there's thank you and so you know and out you go and even in a grocery store there's a man staring at the empty shelves and he didn't appear to be worried he's just I think you're stand, staring there and you're just kind of going what in the world you know what in the world there was two rolls of um, paper towels and I was like which of us can get to it the quickest I didn't really want it. I was just walking past it and I just said isn't it good to know that God's in control and he said he said yeah and my wife has been prepared for this for a long time. <laughs> she has been hoarding things, apparently, so he's very thankful for his wife. And it's just like, yeah, you know, it's like there's people like that, that God in his common grace has prepared for a time like this. It's just, just, you know, providentially, that God watches over um, all people in this way. And that's a little thing you can say to people. You know, we don't, you know we're, we're quick to say we don't mourn as those who have no hope, but we also need to be able to say that we don't, um, fear and panic and hoard like those who have no hope. Uh, we we want to be wise in these things, but we want to follow the example of Caleb and see what he did out of faith. Um, and he does a couple of things here. And so let's let's look at just uh, a quick moment here. Joshua chapter fourteen. Uh, these are the inheritances of the people of Israel that they received in the land of Canaan when Eleazar the priest. And this is the first time we've heard about Eleazar the priest. Um, in Joshua, that this was 
um, Aaron's son. Aaron is dead, and Eleazar is taken over as the, the high priest, and so he is the one that communicates um, from God to the people. And, um, communicates the, the uh, also the, the high priest also um, holds the people up before God. And so this is his role of mediator too, and Joshua having a particular role here as leader and mediator as well. So Eleazar the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel, uh, he gave them there to inherit these lands. And their inheritance was by lot. And so they're using this method of um, determining the Lord's will in the Old Testament, as they're told to do here, no longer in the New Testament, just as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and a half tribes. For Moses had given inheritance to the two and a half tribes beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. Because the Levites are the priests, their inheritance was the Lord, and the priests are to be scattered throughout the land. And that's sort of our role today, as we're supposed to be scattered throughout the land. We're, we're, we're the priesthood of believers. And so in areas and places where there's no um, gospel church or anything that believers have been placed there as lights of God. And this is where we're supposed to be salt and light in our communities too. Um, verse 4, the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in with their pasture lands for their livestock and substance. The people of Israel did as the Lord God commanded Moses. They allotted the land. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb. And now we haven't heard much about Caleb. Um, Caleb and Joshua, were, they were when they're going into um, Canaan the first time after getting out of Egypt, they send in 12 spies, one spy from each of the tribes. Caleb and Joshua were the two that went in that came back saying, we can do this. Everybody, is, you know, the spies went in. They said, you know, there are... There are huge people here. There are fortified cities. There's no way. We're like grasshoppers in front of these guys. We can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb are like, God said we could do it. We can do it. Let, let's go. There's no reason for us not to. And then the people listen to the ten rather than the two. And then that entire generation perishes over 40 years in the desert. So, but Caleb's still alive. And Joshua, still alive. The only two from that generation that are still alive because they faithfully believed that God would do what he said he would do. So we have to be careful in thinking, well, that means Christians will be successful in everything they try. Everything a Christian attempts in the name of God, in the name of Christ, will be successful in doing. And that's not true. Uh, we have to make sure that we follow Christ and we're not asking him to follow us that, that we are not leading him he's leading us and that to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain is is one of the Ten Commandments and that's what you're doing when you say um, you know God told me this God told me to do this Jesus promised this Jesus promised that it's like, eh, be very careful uh, what you're saying and, and if you're telling me God's telling you to do something then you know we're gonna need to test this because there have been many times I've had somebody tell me that God told them to do something and I know it was not scriptural. Um, there have been times when God's telling them to do one thing and I'm just pretty convinced that we don't need to do that. But if, if a person comes up and says, God told me to do this, how do you argue with that? <laughs> I mean, you can't, you know, it's like a, it stops the conversation. So you had to wonder, it's like, okay, what things has God promised? And this is where we go to his word. You know, what has he promised? Has he promised his help? 
if we have enough faith, will we not get sick? Um, and that is a belief of a lot of Christians here and some in Haiti. They have a little bit of trouble as you're talking to them. They think, um, now that I believe in the one true God, this all-powerful God, I have faith I'm not going to get sick. And, I'm, and you try to, and you sound like you have very weak faith when you talk to them. You're like, well, you know, you, you, you might get sick still, so make sure you wash your hands. And you're trying to, you know, and there was this one guy I was talking to there said um, that they told him if you drink lemon juice, you won't get sick. And I was like, yeah, yeah lemon juice is probably good to drink juice, you know, but just, you know, <laughs> so you're trying to talk to them. And then they're like, you know, we won't get sick if we believe. It's like, man, you might get sick. It's what you do in your illness. It's, it's how you respond to your illness. You're going to die eventually. It's how do you respond in these things by faith. And um, it, it's just, I don't know. I've used several, a few examples. You buckle your seatbelt in the car. You, um, you don't just close your eyes and by faith walk across the interstate. Um, when it, and we're in the south. When it snows, sorry, when there is a hint of the idea that it might snow, then we just shut everything down because, you know, we might have a wreck or something. Um, and we truly probably would, but a lot of churches would close. If it was, if there was ice on the road today, there'd be no question. We'd call everybody up and say, don't risk yourself. Um, but we feel funny about doing that with this because this is one of those things that's like, you know, it's kind of like the, I've talked about the difference between a a tornado warning and a hurricane, uh, warning, a a tornado warning is like, man, get down now. (laughs) And you're like, where is it? Where is it? And you know, if you, it's happening, the hurricane thing is like, it's coming. There's a cone of uncertainty. Uh, should we evacuate? You know, what do we do? And it's just sort of like that. And, and a lot of times for the Christian, it's like death is like that. You know, you know it's coming one day, but it's so far out, you know, and there's this cone of uncertainty as to when, you know, and so, so you just sort of put it out of your mind. And, um, I think by faith, the Bible tells us, teach us to number our days. So we're supposed to realize that our life is but a breath. It's a vapor is what the Bible tells us. And so our problem, one of our sins can be to think, we're just here forever. I have all this time to do the things that are just meandering, not necessarily inconsequential things. But, you know, if you knew your time is short, then you have to look and evaluate and say, what did I do with it? Because, you know, you're, you, you, you've, you've gathered up wealth and accumulated things. And then God says, you know, today your life is required of you. And you stand before, you know, Jesus, you know, and he says, how do you think he did? <laughs> you know, I don't think that's going to be the question he'd ask. But if he did, you know, what do you, how do you think you did? And then seeing back and looking, you know, I think we could condemn ourselves quite readily. It's like, I didn't do enough. Look what I... I could have done. Look what I should have done. I wish, what I wish I had done. And so, um, you know, you could go back in time and just change things and just do more. And it's like, well, you know, and so I told somebody this recently. We we're talking about this. And it's like, all right, well, pretend you live another 30 years. And in 30 years from now, you've got to go back in time. And here you are. The only problem is you can't remember anything. But you're here to do it over again. So now do it. Do it right this time. And it's just, you know, do it right this time. From where you are right now, live by faith. Um, Live in such a way that you just, you believe. Throw yourself into your faith. And that's what Caleb did. And Caleb pops back up now. And um, he says in verse 7, I was 40 years old 
when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers went up with me, made the heart, and they made the heart of the people melt. And yet I wholly followed the Lord. So I think it's a little bit of an example for us. You know, we don't want to be one of those people that just make the heart of the people melt. It was interesting. Think what you think of Donald Trump. And um, it's neither here nor there. He's our president. And so we're called to in the biblically to honor and pray for him. But one of the interesting things was, you know, you have this this um, adversarial relationship set up between him and, you know, almost anybody else that you want to try to look at. But with the press and with Trump, it's like, you know, they're just like they're they're attacking him for being hopeful at some point. You know, it's like he's trying to be hopeful, and it's like really that's how we find ourselves is like being angry about people who are trying to be hopeful because we've got ourselves set up in such adversarial relationships with people that our anger and our hostility tends to make us um, be on the wrong side of many things. But during this time, we need to make sure you can be serious. You can be honest and what's the word i'm looking for you can you can be um realistic about what's going on and yet be hopeful and and i did watch that you know you get you you, you kind of cling to the tv and went here what's the government doing now and so one of the things that um that trump said is um they asked him he says is this medication or whatever treatment they're asking this doctor is this going to work is this going to work and he's like well, there's anecdotal evidence and there's trials. We don't know, you know. And so Trump comes in. They ask Trump, he says, well, you said you think it's going to work. He said, I, I said, I feel like it is. He said, I don't know. He said, I don't have, he says, it may, it may not. He said, I'm just, I just feel, I got this, I just feeling that it's going to work. And then he says, you know, and I'm a smart guy. <laughs> it's like, all right, man. You know, but he just has this feeling that it's going to be okay. This feeling that it's going to work. And that's, I think that's good. I think that's sort of what, you know, but unless you have this feeling that everything's not going to be okay, unless you have this feeling. And so you have to just ask yourself, what does it mean for everything to be okay? You know, what does okay look like? And what are we looking at here? And, and I mean, I guess, I don't know if it's sinful of me or what, but this is like, I've been, I've been kind of excited this week just because you've been able to talk about God and Jesus and Christ. And everywhere you go, it's just like gospel conversations. And you just say a little thing and somebody's hallelujah. And then they're praying and telling you about they haven't been to church in so long. And they think they need to get back. And what about, you know, it's just these conversations. And it's like, this is good. This is this is a time, a window of opportunity for the church to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't know how long this window will be open, but it's definitely open now. And so we don't need be, to be the people who are melting the heart of the people, but that we are wholeheartedly following the Lord through whatever might come. And that's what's important is um, if somebody gets healed, you know, the Facebook response is, um, God is good because he healed me. And it's like, well, he's good whether he healed you or not. You know, it's like, it's okay to say God is good. Thank you, God, that I'm healed. But can we also say thank you, God, that you're with me in the midst of this illness? You don't necessarily have to say, you know, thank you that I stubbed my toe, you know, or thank you that my dog died or, or something like that. But thank you that in the midst of my sorrow and my trial, you're with me. That you, we have a God who's come into this with us and has gone through this 
with us as well. So verse 9, Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. This is promise of God. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And behold, now the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said these 45 years since that time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And so the rest of the generation is dead except for he and Joshua. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord has said. So the Anakim were the guys that the spies saw the first time and said, we can't go in because of them. And then Caleb and the, later they come back in and they just wipe them out without any problems because the Lord's with them. And so trusting in the promises of God. And then he says in verse 13, Then Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kirath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war, which is repeated again. But it's the faithful ones who inherit the promises of God. So God makes promises. Our part in these promises is faith. And Caleb, in a lot of ways, foreshadows Christ. Again, the one who will be ultimately faithful, the one who does inherit the promises for us. And so if we're in Christ by faith, then everything that he did, we get credit for. Um, he lived a perfect life. We lived a perfect life in him. He dies on the cross. We die with him. He's raised again on the third day. We're raised again with him so that we now walk in newness of life, no matter what the trials may look like. So just for a moment here, let's to take a look at a couple places in the New Testament that are going to tell us about what our New Testament promises are. So as we walk through this thing that we're currently in, we can see, you know, what can, what can I cling to? Um, the first one is Matthew 28, 20. It's part of the Great Commission. And he says at the end of that, that I am with you to the end of the age. So the first thing we have is we're in whatever it is we're in. He's with us. He, he knew ahead of time this was coming. He, in all the prayers that we were praying about what was going to happen this month or next month, uh, like let's say we don't get to go to Haiti first week of May. And we're praying, Lord, please be with us in May when we go. I mean, he's in heaven going, eh, well, you're not, you're not going in May, but I know what you mean. And we're praying, you know, so he's there already. And as we made tickets, as, as different people made plans, man makes his plans, but what? The Lord directs his steps. So we're supposed to plan, but our steps get directed by the Lord. This is providential care. If we, if, and then so we can get very frustrated that our plans don't happen, but you know, you, you end up in heaven one day and you, you go into that, you know, the theater that says, these are all the things that would have happened if you had your way. It's like, it'd just be a horror movie. <laughs> you don't want to go in that movie. And so it's good that he directs our paths. 
And, and we also get to pray about these things, too. And, and God uses our prayer to redirect. And, and so I believe we're called to pray with all of our might for the things that we want because we're told to. Um, but we have to be careful how we do it, that we don't just pray for things that we spend on our own desires. Lord, please help me get all the toilet paper at Walmart today so nobody can have any. You know, it's like you might get all the toilet paper, but that's not because God is blessing you in that. You have to be careful of the things that God allows us um, to do. Turn to John chapter 16. This is the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, 7. <clears throat> So how is God with us? How is Christ with us? So Jesus says, lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. Well, what's that mean? How are you actually with us? And he tells us in John 16, beginning in verse 7. Nevertheless, and this is the words of Christ, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So you have to be careful as believers. You can't convict anybody of sin. The Holy Spirit does. But faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And so this is one of the works of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, concerning, he'll convict them about sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Concerning this judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So the ruler of this world is judged. That means there's a ruler of this world that's bad character, and that's Satan. He's judged. But he is the ruler of this world, this cosmos, this world system. So no matter what system is in place as Christians, we have to try to prayerfully navigate through it and in it, and, but knowing that as far as systems go in this world, there's a ruler over this world and there is an evil presence and there is evil behind powers. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the cosmic powers in the heavenly places. And we have to understand that. So we fight those battles of spiritual warfare with, with the sword of the spirit, with the spiritual armor, um, not just with with um, man-made power. The government cannot save you. The government has a role to play and that is good and it's instituted by God and they're ministers um, of, of justice for, appointed by God. They're supposed to be ministers of good and not evil, but there's a ruler of this world that would take these things and manipulate them and, and use them uh, for evil purposes. So as believers, we can withstand that only in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he's speaking to the apostles here. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus Christ. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I, sh I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So this is the Holy Spirit, and it's called the Spirit of Christ. So we have the Spirit of Christ living within us. So he's always with us by his Spirit. Um, we have heaven after death, for God so loved the world. This is how God loved the world. He sent his Son into the world that whoever would believe in him would not perish, that all the believers in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So we're promised eternal life as believers. So you got that going for you, and we have to keep that in mind. And then third, what about this life? Um, 
Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in what? The Lord. Right. And then he's, so where, what are you delighting in? The Lord. Where's your heart? The Lord. What is it that you want? The Lord. So he's going to give you the desires of your heart. What's that? Cars and houses and health and wealth. <laughs> no. If that's what you think, if that's why you come to God, then those things are your God. And when you don't get those things, you're going to stomp up to God and say, you promised me that I'd have health and wealth. It's like, where did you see that ever promise you to have health and wealth? I mean, he promised Caleb an, uh, an inheritance. He's promised us an inheritance. If we die in faith and show up in heaven and there's nothing there, we've been, now we've been lied to. But you get sick. You lose your money. You uh, go through all these things. You don't stomp up to God and say, you promised me health. You promised me wealth. It's like, I didn't. I promised you I'd be with you. And now I'll tell you, you need to take up your cross and you follow me. You know, unjust suffering. You know, what is cross bearing? You know, it's just this something that's not right. But, you know, there's the thing, maybe we deserve it. But the bad thing is, you know, it's like the guy that got pulled for speeding. And he's like, you know, I wasn't speeding and arguing, and arguing, and arguing. Knowing full well, there's been thousands of times you sped and never got pulled. You know, but you don't just say, that's fine. I'll take this ticket because I've been guilty in the past. It just goes against human nature. But we know that God, when things come into our lives, it can be meant for evil, but God uses it for good. It's just what God does. All things, even the virus, work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. He has purpose in this. I don't know what the purpose is, but I know what he does. Christ's thing is building his church. So one of the purposes in this is build a church. I personally think that um, and, and Christians who see these things and have looked at culture and the world and things have just said, you know, never seen things spiral downward so badly as it has. That people turn away from God so quickly. That there's so much evil and depravity that just is celebrated in the world. And it just seems to me it's kind of like a little, you know, Tower of Babel type thing where God just sort of shakes the world a little bit. Shakes them worldwide. It's just amazing to me. And it's invisible. You know, I mean, you can see it apparently, I guess, under a microscope or something. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an invisible thing. And people are like, you know, don't be too proud of this technological terror you've created. You know, it's just like God can wipe us out like that. Be aware. And so this is a blessing. And usually when God sends, when, when I, I've said it before, God will send something to make people say, hey, you better think about something else. There's a, there's a greater reality here. Um, Matthew 10 talks about people will persecute you. You're going to have unjust suffering to, to pick up your cross and follow him. So we're not going to have the goal of the Christian life and the promise of Christ is not that you're going to have popularity in the world. You, you're not. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. You're not going to be above your, your leader. So you're not going to have have that so you know so what are we promised in this life and what we're promised in this life is you know act, look real quick Acts chapter 14 Acts 14 19 
So the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. Now, if anybody ever had right to argue about where's my health, wealth, and prosperity, it'd be Paul, because he's being stoned with stones and dragged out of the city. And they were thought he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up. And he entered the city on the next day, and he went to see Barnabas and Derbe. And when they preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, and that's what we're going to be doing, preaching the gospel, making disciples, people who follow Christ, then they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. We're to be doing that. Encouraging them to continue in the faith. We're to be doing that. And saying this, if you just had enough faith, you wouldn't be going through this. If you just had enough faith, you wouldn't be sick. And that, that's not his message there. What he says, they go, they're encouraging the disciples to continue in the faith. And they're telling them, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. It's like, that's not very encouraging. Yeah, that's not what I want to hear. And he's like, no, you're entering the kingdom of God. There's going to be many tribulations. Don't see the tribulations as an indication that you're not doing right. Don't see tribulations as an indication that God is not pleased with you. Tribulations are the way that we are going to make our way through this world. Um, that's not the way we would choose. It's not the way Satan attempted to do it, by usurping the throne, taking over, elevating himself above the Most High God. And when Jesus says, I'll go and I'll win this world, humbles himself, humiliates himself, form of a servant, dies a shameful death of a cross, it's by going down is he elevated. And we think the way for us to go up is to elevate ourselves. And it's following the path of Satan, which is pride, and what we have to do is to humble ourselves in every situation and be aware of this. Um, response to persecution. We have time to get into a lot of this. Romans chapter 12. You're going to read that later. 14 through 21. All right, real quick, because it's right here. Acts, Romans, 4, Romans chapter 12. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in <coughs> harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, um, prideful, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so that's for people when they come against <coughs> us and things. And then James chapter 1. So we'll just continue to make our way back. It's close to Hebrews. After Hebrews. James chapter 1, verse 2. And we're almost at the end here. So James chapter 1, verse 2. These are hard words. These are things that you don't necessarily want to know, but this is what God calls us to, and then he gives us the power to do. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And if this isn't a trial, I don't know what is. And so what are we supposed to do? Count it all joy. There's a right way and a wrong way to do that. So how do we do it? 
Because you know, this is why we can have joy, that the testing of your faith, and this is what this is, it's a testing um, to, to fix and perfect and make you think things right and to have it strengthened. And that testing of your faith, it produces a steadfastness. <laughs> and let steadfastness, when you become like this, it will have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lack nothing. And what that means is you have this, the end to which you've been saved. It starts to occur in your life, works itself out. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. But let him ask in faith without doubting. And then um, finally, um, Philippians. And this is, if, if I were going to ask you to do anything, I would, I'd put a bookmark in Philippians. I would meditate on these things. I would memorize these things. Um, and just listen as, as the Holy Spirit through Paul speaks to us directly today in our current situation. So Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 27. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I might hear that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the gospel. And do not be frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So there again, this idea of suffering in the Christian life, it's, it's going to happen. Um, just keep maintain the faith that you're engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now you hear that I still have. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. But in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, and therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the name of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice 
with me. And we're going to close with this. Um, Philippians 4, um, 4 through 9 right here. And he tells us again, these things in the midst of this. He's talking about, I'm going to be poured out like a drink offering. He's, he's, he, this is difficult for him. He's spending his life in this and may soon be dead. And he says this, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Did he really mean for that? He, again, I say rejoice. I love he kind of does that. Rejoice in the Lord also, always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. And then he tells us, you know, okay, there's lots of people who argue about that. I can't help but be anxious. There's medical anxiety. There's regular anxiety. And it's like, I know, I know. But here's the thing. Even as you struggle through the different things you struggle through, cling to the promises of God because this is something that God has promised us. The Lord is at hand. He's here. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And that's a key to this. Thanksgiving. You know, oh God, please save us from this. What are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for, you know, start naming things, praying these things. I mean, spend a lot of time. When you're anxious, start praying thanksgivings to God. Praying thanksgivings to God. Praying thanksgivings to God. Let your request be made known to God. And let them, I say every request. That way you figure out whether you're right in asking stuff or not. You read the Bible. What do you want? Well, keep reading. you got to be in the Word. That's important. And be around other believers so that you get fitted together and things like this too. So if you do these things, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. So if somebody asks you, why are you so peaceful? You can go, well, <laughs> it's really beyond all understanding, but there's a God. And I know he's promised Never to leave or forsake me. That whatever is happening is working together for the good. And somehow, I need to be careful if you believe it because something bad might happen to you or a loved one. And then you have to be able to say, whatever my God ordains is right and will mourn, but not as those who have no hope. So the peace of God, if you do these things, praying with thanksgiving, cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we need our hearts guarded. We need our minds guarded. So we have to cast our anxiety on him, asking him for the things that we need, knowing that he loves us. And then he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the peace of God will be with you. And so I'd say just read Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Memorize it. Speak it in the community. <laughs> speak it to yourselves. How can I pray for you? You know, it's, a, it's an, an important thing. How can I? Qui jean moi prier pour Learn how to say that in Creole, in Haitian. You've got to ask somebody, how can I pray for you? And then the interpreter tells me what they said. But you've got to be able to communicate to your culture. 
and we communicate the gospel to our culture. But you've got to have a piece about you, too. Um, and it's, it, if you're anxious, who's not? So we pray. We go to the Word. We strengthen one another. We love one another. We think of others as more important than ourselves. We live out... You know, what if, what if, what if because we um, put somebody before ourselves, then we don't get something we need, and then we or our family have to go without and something bad happens? Well, you did in faith, and so be it. You know, it's just kind of how you have to be. You take care of yourself, but you also have to be about taking care of others um, because God's taking care of us, and it, it, it is, it's sad to know that there are people out there. I was in line at Food Lion talking to, I do talk to people a lot, <laughs> not necessarily about the gospel all the time. So I know these people at Food Lion. <laughs> and so she said, some guy came through here the other day, he bought $241 worth of toilet paper. And then you know, my first thought was, why are y'all letting people buy that much toilet paper? But it was before you know, they got corporate things telling them, you know, don't stop people, you don't want to offend them, we don't want to get sued. Um, I was at another pharmacy, and, uh, and I said, all right, I'll ask the million dollar question, um, do y'all happen to have any hand sanitizer? And they're like, we did, we have a whole case, and somebody just came in and bought them all. I'm like, man, you know, so you know, maybe they, you know, saving all the poor children in a ditch or something. I don't know. They did something good with it. But it's people who are clinging to, you know, you got to get to, our false gods are going to be elevated up in our faces the way we've put them in God's faces. And God is a jealous God. And uh, he will not tolerate that, especially among his people. So our functional gods, whether they be government, your job, your money, your check, your whatever, it. It's all shaken, and people's foundations are shaken. We need to have a sure foundation, Jesus Christ the Lord. And come what may, we cast our anxiety on him because he cares for us. We let our petitions be made known to him. Everything we want, we tell him, and we pray with thanksgiving and the peace of God which surpasses all understandings. We'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Promises of God. All you got to do is believe that. And then we might go through some terrible stuff. Maybe. So we're going to go through it with God. This might pass over. <laughs> and then you're like, that was a close one. And then life goes back to the way it was as if nothing ever happened. So don't let that be said of us. That our strength is increased. Our love for people is increased. Our zeal for missions is increased. Let's pray. Father God, there's, people need hope. People need security. People need to help us not to think that if our 401k goes away that we're doomed help us not to think if we lose our jobs we're doomed help us not to think that uh, you know whatever you have us no matter what we go through we go through it with you we go through it with faith there's things to be thankful for there's a gospel to be preached um, so make us make us strong make us faithful help us to love one another more forgiving one another and all these things that we might truly uh, be faithful to you and to one another. And we do pray that you would cause something to happen. That I mean, our desire would be that this would go away. But not that people would start to go, that people would walk away from it um, unchanged. So I pray this would leave an indelible mark on this world and that it would be used by you 
to advance the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And receive this benediction. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance, his face upon you, and it give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.